0: Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. So, Premier Brian Pallister shuffling his cabinet in the middle of a pandemic. Let's bring in Chris Adams, adjunct professor, political studies at the University of Manitoba, to talk about this. Chris, good afternoon.
1: Hey, Hal, and I'm glad you aren't talking about my salary
0: yeah right yes um so listen we're, we're all happy to be working at this point i think because so many people aren't right that's the way i look that's at it right. you know i'm just and i'm doing what i love and i know this is what you love too chris talking yeah. politics so uh weigh in on pallister shuffle today yes
1: yeah, so well we've seen three new faces come in wayne awasco uh derek johnson and audrey gordon and uh, so that's significant to get three new faces also uh, people being shifted around i always look at uh, three critical ministers in in a government and those three in manitoba are finance health and education just because they're really at the forefront of news so scott fielding stays on as minister of finance which really shows that pallister has a a lot of faith in him in, in that role and then health, as you as you mentioned, health is is uh, is is um, Heather Stephenson moving into health, which is as you know, with the COVID situation, has been front and center. But then Audrey mm-hmm. Gordon being brought in as a new as a new face, and on the area of, of mental health, wellness, and recovery. And I think I think this is very important because there, many families have been hit by issues of mental health uh, uh, issues such as uh, drug addictions and things like that. So I think it is very good that there's somebody coming in, in into that portfolio who can focus on that. And also as part of as recovery is one of the words in that ministry. And then Derek Johnson coming in as the new minister of municipal relations so so finance health, and education um, we've got Cliff Cullen moving over to education from justice and education is important because uh, everybody's knows kids or has kids that are going through school um, it tends to be a hot spot area for for disputes and and issues so um uh, the one thing, though, is I've noticed is, is that advanced education continues to be separated from secondary education. So the universities and Red River College and Assiniboine College are, are under Wayne Owasco, who's the new minister of advanced education.
0: Can we? Can I gossip a little bit with you here? Sure. So Cam Friesen to justice. I mean, Justin is – is or justice, uh, Cam Friesen going from health to justice. So, yeah. I mean, it's a significant portfolio, but I, I do think it would be seen as a demotion. I'll get you to comment on that first of all, and then I've got one other one.
1: Sure. Well, one of the things is that uh, usually, not always, but usually you have somebody who's a lawyer or or legal background moving into justice and being the attorney general for the province. Uh, Cliff Cullen does not have a, a, I don't think he does, I I think he's more education is his background, but justice can be a hot flash point. Like you want somebody who's steady in there if something happens, because uh, um, as you know, things happen with with penitentiaries or or prisons or uh, um, criminal justice issues shoes, uh, safety on the streets. So you do want to have somebody in there who can handle pressure and, and, uh, and PR. So I, I think that's probably a good move. And also, he probably needs a break from being Minister of Health over the past number of, of months.
0: And I might have got some of the the uh, people and the portfolios wrong here so i apologize i'm going to double check my notes i'm glad you're here to correct me uh if i got a couple things wrong there i just as we were talking i thought wait a minute i got this wrong and and um kelvin gertson so uh he, what's his portfolio now i'm more interested in that he is going to be the deputy premier now so um yeah. obviously he he did a, a great job according to premier pallister in education yeah. first of all in health and then education and so now the deputy premier and and so obviously he is a very important minister to the premier
1: yes yeah, so uh the deputy premier is often like a symbolic role but can play influential roles uh, depending on the premier that you're working with kelvin Gertson, i think has been seen as one of the the brightest lights in the, in the cabinet and he did have education before that he was uh, minister of health during all the the uh, revamping of our of our hospitals so um but I, I do know I was speaking to my my friend Paul Thomas, and he was mentioning how Calvin Gertson is, is very it's an area that he likes to work in as head of, of legislation, uh, legislative and public relations. That's the formal title that's on the press release on the OB six eighty website. But economic develop uh, sorry uh, legislative and public relations. So um, I think he can play a strong role, or it it all depends on the premier as to how much he wants Calvin Gertson to be uh, front and center.
0: And this shuffle, it turned out to be more significant than I think a lot of people in the media yeah. thought it was going to be. I don't know about you. Did you see uh, this many changes coming? And and I'll just say this. I, I think this is pretty courageous of the premier to shuffle people around like this in the middle of a pandemic. He could have easily said status quo, you know, but he has moved his people around, and he thinks this is a better team to take on all the issues, including COVID.
1: Well, I think one of the things that the Premier is wanting to do is, and this hasn't been his strong suit up to now, but is to rely on the skills of the people around him rather than always being the person up front. And so I think he's done some real discernment here as to who he works with, who have the skills for the different portfolios. But you're right, Hal, that this was much more significant of a change than I expected, and it's significant in three ways. One is the uh, the changing of people into different positions that's much more than we thought also to see three brand new faces in the cabinet is significant and thirdly there's actually some restructuring of the ministries Um, for instance the the one i was thinking of is advanced education skills and immigration Um, i think that was under uh, under ralph eichler who was also dealing with another ministry so i think there's been some real restructuring of some of the bureaucracy underneath these these ministers as well
0: And, uh, you know, I had uh, Shannon Sampert on yesterday. Uh, You were on Play Show on the weekend talking about this. Kelly Saunders at Brandon You has been talking about the premier, whether or not he's going to hang in there uh, and and complete a a second term or whether he might retire. Uh, Is this a cabinet shuffle that might add fuel to that fire that the premier is maybe getting ready to pack it in when COVID gets a little more under control?
1: Yeah I don't I don't I don't really read anything into that in terms of of uh, positioning people for the upcoming leadership maybe but I think some of these individuals who've been moved around they might be looking as to how does this affect their their uh, profile in the caucus in the cabinet and, and with the public so um but I, I I I don't think that this cabinet shuffle really um indicates some sort of movement forward or backward for for when the premier wishes to retire
0: Chris, really appreciate your insight again. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Hal. Have a good rest of the week.
0: Bye-bye. Chris Adams, adjunct professor in political studies at the University of Manitoba. <music> I heard yesterday uh, during the show while we were talking about this from several truckers saying, you know, we're frontliners too, uh, we're ready at any point. And it does seem to me uh, that there should be, I get it. We have to do this in in order of of priority, and yes, healthcare workers are the most important, but it would seem to me that if there are vaccines sitting around and, you know, that maybe there could be another line, this should be done online. I don't want to complain about the process, but I do want to bring Terry Shaw in here from the Manitoba Trucking Association. Terry, good afternoon.
2: Happy New Year, Hal.
0: Yeah, Happy New Year to you. Thank you for doing this. Where do truckers uh, fall on the priority list when it comes to vaccines? I'm sure this discussion has been had.
2: Uh, You know what, it hasn't. Um, We've had it internally as industry. Uh, we have communicated both federally and provincially, um, you know, uh, as the MTA and as a member of the Canadian Trucking Alliance, uh, we've reached out federally and to our provincial government partners. Um, much like you were mentioning, we've recognized that uh, frontline health care workers, the elderly, other higher risk demographic groups are not only likely to be uh, the first to receive, uh, receive vaccines, they should be the first to receive vaccines. That said, beyond that, that second tier um, essential service workers, such as our truck truck drivers and other trucking industry staff who are are out on the road and potentially at higher risk, we absolutely believe that they should be in that second tier, and we have communicated that to the province.
0: But no word back on that or no, hey, let's talk, eh?
2: Nothing yet, unfortunately, Hmm. no.
0: Yeah, that does sort of surprise me, you know, as I sort of flippantly said in our news meeting this morning, it's not like we haven't had time to plan this better. I mean, we've we've had several months uh, to figure this out, knowing that or hoping that we would have a vaccine at some point. And I don't want to be a negative Nellie and complain um but you would think they would start talking to organizations like yours and say okay you're third or fourth on the list and i'm just talking to you because uh uh you know you're you're a regular on the show or a semi-regular on CJOB. i mean there's grocery store workers um mm-hmm. you know there are lots of frontliners out there right now who who could be getting this vaccine or at least be they should be told, okay, here's where you are on the list, and here's when we expect that we'll be able to start vaccinating you.
2: I, I would agree with that. Again, I think the, and, and I don't fault the province. Again, we have seen this coming. We do know it's coming, but the flip side of that coin is it's a net new system, right? Sure. Um, you know, and so they're kind of building it from the ground up. Um, I don't know that individually, provincially, um, that every province needs to go it alone. Um, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but. I think there is power in the collective um, and what we've been encouraging our, our government partners, um, you know, not only for the last year, but quite frankly, for the last 90 years as the Manitoba Trucking Association is to leverage some of our expertise is burdened when it comes to policy creation, policy development. Um, and, and, you know, the way we do that is by by coming together. And I'm not saying the government hasn't spoken to us, but on the specific issue of vaccines, rollout priority how we're going to identify those who are next in line and how we communicate to them, how we get that vaccine into their arm. Um, Yeah, we haven't heard from our provincial government partners in specific on that yet.
0: And there are many frontliners, right? Healthcare workers uh, who are are being vaccinated now, I mentioned grocery store workers, police, paramedics, truck drivers. What are some, uh, maybe talk a little bit about why you feel it's important that your members are high on that list when it comes to getting the vaccine.
2: Yeah, and, and I think possibly, and, and I'm purely speculating here, in part, maybe why we haven't heard yet is, again, that that, that is a very long list of, you know, deserving Manitobans, yep. right? And so um, how do you make that decision? Well, part of our Um, suggestion uh, or or part of our logic in asking to be in that second tier is if you simply, you know, look at public health protocols, um, the the number one message for, you know, a year now has been stay home and stay safe, right? Um, You know, asterisks unless you're a truck driver, right? At which point, keep doing what you do. They have protocols that help keep them safe. They're onerous. They're cumbersome. Um, You know, our truck drivers, when they're out on the road, they're and I've heard this uh, from truck drivers, so it's not my phrase. it's it's coming to me from you know, a Manitoba truck driver that I spoke to, he feels trapped in his truck. And in order to be safe out on the road, you have to, you know, stay home and their home is that truck. And and modern trucks are really nice. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still a truck and, and eating every meal in that truck and spending all your downtime in that truck and being unable to go to a restaurant or a movie or, um, you know, uh, visit relatives on the roads or friends on the road. Um, but just spending the entirety of your time alone. from home trapped in that truck is is wearing on these folks you know there's mental health concerns physical health concerns and so if we want to keep these goods moving into you know frontline retail workers frontline grocery workers um you know the construction industry the manufacturers in manitoba who are still open and doing their thing uh you know looking for raw materials being brought in or their finished goods to be shipped out to the world they need truck drivers to do that they need healthy truck drivers so that means not only you know covid healthy but mentally healthy as well and so again getting these folks a vaccine might give them a bit of occupational freedom that they haven't had over the last 12 months
0: yeah very well said and you know ppe medical supplies needed to fight this virus i mean truck drivers are you know what's the, the line you know if it, if you use it it came in on a truck right
2: Yeah, well, again, who's shipping these vaccines in? Right. So it's mm. so medicines, PPEs, vaccines themselves. Um, again, all of it at some point spends time on a truck uh, and those trucks don't move themselves. Um, you know, what we've we've kind of realized ourselves is we keep talking about trucks and we need trucks to service Manitobans. Actually, we need truck drivers. Right. You know, those trucks yeah. don't go anywhere without those hardworking truck drivers. And, and so really the message is, is we don't need to keep the trucks moving. We need to keep the truck drivers moving. And how we do that is by looking after them health care
0: needs yeah terry i appreciate you and i appreciate your members the truck drivers out there thanks a lot for this thanks al let's get to al weeb homeless advocate al good afternoon good afternoon can you hear me i can hear you sir yes uh thank you for thank you for doing this so i played a little bit of audio richard cloutier was out this morning uh, with mm-hmm. the Christmases delivering uh, sandwich bags to homeless yep. in bus shelters, and yep. I called you to see if you could come on today, and you said this has absolutely become more of a problem. And and I don't I don't yep. like calling, you know, homelessness a problem, uh, but it's certainly no. more of an issue.
3: It is. Uh, that's that's a more appropriate word. Uh, you know, um, if you recall, uh, in uh, April uh, May we had the same uh, issue. Uh, when um, when uh, the government shut down all the malls for seating and everything. And we had the very same issue. Then we were wondering, okay, where did all these people go? And uh, then they showed up in bus shelters. Um, and uh, we're, we're having the same uh, issue uh, once again. And, and the problem is, like, uh, Portage Place Mall, City Place Mall, uh library, uh, where all the libraries are closed, uh, there is nowhere, nowhere for anyone to uh, to, to actually just sit down and, and spend some time. You know, we, we gripe and I gripe about not being able to sit down for my Sunday morning coffee, but, you know, but that, that is such a small, uh, small deal and not being able to sit down at a restaurant, but people have absolutely nowhere to go. and uh, And we are we're extremely fortunate um, that the weather has uh, has been what it has been. Uh, it's been uh, abnormally uh, warm or unseasonably warm, and uh, and some folks out there are are staying out uh, 24/7. And uh, you know, it's it, it, it's an issue because it's visible, right? It's yeah. uh, you know, everybody sees them. And sometimes when you have a cold day and people want to get into the bus shelters, uh, they can't. Uh, because folk, folks are in there. But, you know, we have to understand, they don't have the luxuries of going back to their houses like we do. They are stuck outside until if you're in shelters, until the shelters open up again, uh, you know, later in the afternoon. And, but then some people just stay there 24-7, um, you know, to uh, just escape the elements.
0: Hmm. And you and I have talked many times about yeah. how some of the homeless out there uh, don't like shelters. I would imagine nope. there are probably even more of them now that don't like going to shelters because with COVID nineteen there Absolutely. are new
3: rules, right? Absolutely. And um, there's a, uh, actually I talked to a few this morning uh, after after we had a call. I was downtown anyway as I was uh, out, out wandering around, and uh, I did talk. And, and a couple of just said we just don't want to go there. You know it's uh and uh covid is is a factor and uh you know because of the proximity of people they they are afraid of catching um catching COVID, and also there's just a general fear at, at times because of safety issues in shelters shelters do a wonderful job <clears throat> however you know people have bad experiences in shelters uh and they don't and they don't want to go back there. Even in my case, uh, you know, uh, all those years ago, I had bad experience in a shelter, and, uh, you know, I, I decided to stay because there's was a better alternative than being back on the street. But but bad, bad things do happen between uh, clients at shelters, and, you know, you know, with police presence around, it's it's not the, the best place for, for folks to be. Again, yeah. you know, COVID does play a fear factor, is a fear factor.
0: Mhm but here 's what I worry about, and, and that 's why I like having these conversations with you. You mm-hmm. know what i 'd love to do with you sometime Al. Mm-hmm. is i 'd love yeah. to send you out with a tape recorder and Absolutely. as you as you wander around and 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 talk to homeless people, just share some of those conversations with us because I think so much of of, of this issue is we just don't understand it or we don't no. get it. We, you know, and I think if we can hear Clay, our Clay Young does a really good job of this. He'll go out to the camps once yep. in a while and, and talk to people, and and it really gives you an idea of yep. life on the streets of Winnipeg. And yeah, we 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 don't understand it because we can't wrap our heads around it. There are all sorts of things no. at play here, right? There's mental health, uh, yeah. there's all kinds of stuff. But uh, but all back to the back to the point about crowding at at shelters. Mm-hmm not feeling safe yep. there. I drive down the street, and I see mm-hmm. a dozen people in a
3: bus shack, and oh, I think, absolutely. well, that's not that's not safe either. No, you know, it's not. But, but you know, the strength of numbers, I think, because uh, ha- <clears throat> there are so many in a shelter uh, that I think, you know, that they do feel safe, and that's their little community. And I had a, a friend of mine tell me that, uh, you know, I brought it up on Facebook, and I had a friend of mine tell me that, that by uh, Regent and uh, stapon down by the CRA building, there. uh, there's like eight to ten people in the shelter there. They're all over the place. It's not just downtown, but downtown it's so visible, and uh, and it does irritate people. But you, but you have to realize these people have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we can go back to our homes and our apartments, and and um, and do things like that. But and go go into the comfort uh, wherever that is, uh, where folks just don't have that. And you know, code red is code red is just. Simply amplified the problems that that uh, folks experience the homelessness have, and and because they're so visible in the glass shelters that it you know it turns people off who don't understand the situation. And I think uh, doing a recording of, of folks out there uh, uh, would be probably a really good idea. And I'd be happy to do that for you. Yeah,
0: and and you know what? Another thing too, you know, I've got all the uh, all, all the ex- when I left CJOB the first time, one thing that mm-hmm. I really want to find more time to do is to do documentaries and and video work. And I've got all the equipment. And you know what? I really think this is an important story. And if we can, when COVID, uh, when we get back to something closer to normal, uh, you know, send you out there with a camera. And it's just really, uh, we have to have a better understanding of this, I think, before we're ever going to fix the issue.
3: We really, really do. And, you know, we've made some progress in that. We've got, um, for the most part, uh, the police are coming around on on that issue because they're part of uh, our, our 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 meetings on the, mm-hmm. these issues and yep. and you know uh, you know they're not quick to rush these people out of the shelters and mm-hmm. uh, you know and again the nine one or three one one calls uh, go to Main Street Project to, for them to deal with instead of the police but also you know what what, what also needs to be done and. Uh, is give these folks knowledge, and I'm going to make that part of my my routine in the next couple of weeks, and just. Make sure that people understand that there are other warming places to go to, like Spence and the River has some, and there's some would obviously beaten past some of these places, but if they're they're interested, you know, uh, these are places where you can go for, you know, some 24-7 warming. Um, And some aren't open because it's not extreme weather, Um, and so uh, those will open when extreme weather comes about. I think it's minus 27, but we've been really, really fortunate uh, but by the same token, it makes people visible because they're out there twenty-four-seven as well. They don't want to be in the shelter when it's warm enough to sleep outside. We'll sleep outside.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, Al, I gotta go. The music means yeah. I'm out of time. The news is coming up Absolutely. at two. Listen, I can't. I I should do this every time, and I apologize. I haven't done it much in the past. You're on my radio show. Please plug your radio show.
3: I will. I'll, well, hey, we're on. Uh, TKW 95.9 FM and the show's called No Fixed Address and uh, <clears throat> and uh, it's all, as the title will tell you, it's all about the homeless and, and the vulnerable and, and uh, advocating for those uh, those kinds of things and uh, I, I get, would love to have uh, Mr. Hal Anderson on the show one of these days and I think <laughs> we'll, we'll try to set something up. You have the big empathetic heart and, and a good voice on the radio for, for our, what the, the people out there need.
0: Anytime. You tell me when and I'm there. Al Weeb, thank we'll, you. We'll do. Thank you so much, Al. Joining us now Kevin Klein, counselor for Tuxedo, charleswood and Westwood. Kevin, happy new year. Happy new year, hell. Thanks a lot for jumping on. It's been a while since I've had you on. I heard you on with Kathy Kennedy and I thought, "Geez, I got to I got to get on this. Kevin's my <laughs> friend and I'm not uh, I'm not having him on enough." Uh Well, let's... I was thinking
4: the same thing. <laughs>
0: Of course you were. You're a politician. But you're one of my favorites. You know you're one of my favorite politicians. Um, Thank you. Let's uh, talk about a couple of things here. Uh, We'll start with clearing the sidewalks. I've seen on your social media feeds you have concerns. You shared some photos. And now uh, your uh, fellow councillor in St. Bonavus, Matt Lard, has uh, tabled a motion asking uh, administration city works to uh, prioritize figure out a way to prioritize sidewalk clearing it's our question of the day at, at cjob.com this is a concern for you too eh
4: yeah, it's a concern for me. I have to say that I was a little bit uh, taken back by Councillor Lard's uh, motion that he moved uh, because we had just voted on the budget. Uh, I didn't support it. He did. And, you know, over the last few years in the budget process, they've all put in uh, less and less snow removal money, and they've, they've done cutbacks. But now it's nice to see that we're looking that it's time to improve our snow removal. But I don't think it goes far enough, Hell. I think he's only gone halfway.
0: Okay, explain.
4: Well, I think that what you have to, we have to understand is that there's a lot of streets, residential streets in our city, that don't have sidewalks. So people are walking their dog or they're pushing the stroller or walking their kids on the street. And it's more dangerous because you have cars driving, you have slush going back and forth, you don't have anywhere to jump out of the way. And when those streets are in bad condition, it really makes it unsafe. The, 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 uh, the, uh, the safety really becomes a concern. And I think if you're going to focus on the sidewalks, that's great. But what about those that are still taxpayers, that are still residents, that don't have a sidewalk? We have to start thinking about them at the same time. And really what, what that is, in my opinion, is that we've, we've got to change the way we think at City Hall. We have to stop thinking like tax collectors and start thinking like service providers
0: Mm hmm yeah and you talk about streets with no sidewalks i mean there are plenty of those in charleswood right and you know that well i know
4: that very well and i've talked to a few of my councillor colleagues uh who also have the same problem and they've been getting phone calls i spoke to a resident the other day it was so sad she fell and broke her wrist never broke a bone before a a mature lady um uh, you know broke her wrist she's now kind of laid up for six weeks but it was because she was walking on the street it was slippery icy she slipped didn't have a sidewalk to walk on wasn't cleared the street didn't get cleared and mm-hmm. and that is part of the problem and and especially now when we you know we know more and more people are walking outside this isn't this right. isn't a shock to us so we need to be start we need to start thinking ahead. We know this is happening. Why do we wait until CJOB does a poll and then all of a sudden the city puts out, Well, we're gonna we're gonna clean the residential streets? We're right. reacting. Yeah. We don't have to react. We know You think the timing of stuff. that
0: you, you think the timing of that is interesting, eh?
4: I, I think the timing of that is absolutely interesting. All of a sudden, it's a news story. Uh, you have a poll on it. You're talking about it. Your colleagues yeah. are talking about it. And within 24 hours, what happens? Residential parking ban. We're going to clean all the streets
0: mm-hmm. out of the blue, yes. right? It wasn't Starting- discussed. wasn't going to yeah. happen. Mm -hmm. starting thursday morning at 7 a.m in zones dghp and s by the way as i look at our and this isn't scientific kevin but as i look at our question of the day at cgob.com um you know two thirds of people uh either say it's a mess always or sometimes it's okay sometimes not so much so there's definitely a lot of dissatisfaction out there about sidewalk clearing
4: good services make good cities our services have been diminishing since 2014.
0: Yeah, and and I've had some text messages and emails come in since I began talking about this at 1230 this afternoon when I took over the airwaves here at CGOB, and some people are saying, you can't have it both ways. You either, you know, we, we want to save money, uh, times are tough, uh, or, y- yes, we'll, we'll shovel your sidewalks more, but you believe we can have both.
4: I believe we can have both. Great question and great point. When we're spending $40 million a year on consultants and outside consulting and and, and reports, I think that money can be better spent providing services. Again, let's change the way we think. We're not tax collectors, we're service providers. That's why we're called the public service. We just have to change the way
0: we think. Mm-hmm. I don't expect you to make the announcement today on my show, but you will announce on my show whether or not you are running for mayor, right?
4: Uh, you are the, you know, <laughs> I, I consider you the, the the number one Canadian, not 34th greatest Canadian. You're the first uh, greatest Canadian in my world. So uh, if anything ever happens, you know
0: I'm calling okay. you because well, I, uh, I do that anyways you know that i appreciate that thanks kevin um and uh, i want to ask you too i saw your your news release about wanting some indigenous representation on the bay committee uh, that the mayor struck and and listen i think this committee is a great idea and i said so on my show i think it's the right mm-hmm. move by mayor bowman but i'll be honest with you i read your your news release on this and i said he's right like there should be indigenous representation on this committee well,
4: uh, thank you for that, Hal. As you know, I've been—you know—I'm a Métis. I have uh, my card, and and I've been dig- researching my family roots, especially on my mom's side. And I'm learning it's Cree, and I'm learning more and more about it. But I also finished taking uh, uh, the uh, Indigenous course at the University of Alberta, uh, something I'm very proud of, and I and I learned a lot through that course. And really, when we go back in history. Winnipeg is it plays such a key role in the development of our country and the relationship we have with uh indigenous people and and Hudson Bay plays a big part of that
0: right and huge. It, and,
4: and huge and the, re, the i cannot Imagine why we would not have an Indigenous elder on that committee. It's an advisory committee. The Indigenous elders will share stories of the past. We'll learn from that, and then and then have a Métis representative because Métis people. If again, let's go back in history. How did that start? Well, we could probably connect a lot of that to HBC. -hmm. So, why wouldn't we have their voices on the advisory committee? And I was, you know, it's not meant to be personal. I think we, if we're, we we talk about reconciliation, and as a city, you know, we introduced in the last few years that we always start our meetings by acknowledging that we're on Treaty One territory, the birthplace Mm -hmm. of the Metis Nation. Well, let's honor that. Enough talk. Walk the walk. Honor that. Yeah, walk the walk and have them sitting at, let's sit at the table as equals. Let's sit at the table as. Equal voices. Now I know the the response from the mayor's office was, "Well, we have two individuals that have Indigenous descent." Really? Okay. Share, but an Indigenous elder is something special. There are elders for a purpose and a reason, and there's a meaning to that. And and a, a and a member a member of the Métis Nation is important. So uh, unfortunately, I haven't I haven't heard back from the mayor's office or the mayor, but I, I haven't talked to him since April.
0: Hmm. Well, uh. You won't have them around to talk with. Uh, you won't have to worry about them too much longer, I guess. And and um, you know, let let's let's hope there is better communication. Whoever becomes mayor, whether you decide to run or not, Kevin, I I just really hope for better communication uh, at yeah. City Hall. I think it's important for Winnipeggers. And, and I mean, just like your news release about having Indigenous representation an elder and Elder Nimatee uh, on that committee. Um, uh, you know, there's no harm in saying, yeah, that's kind of an oversight we should yes thank you kevin and it, it, it should be about communicating and and not uh i don't know it just seems so
4: it's about division and politics right and we don't need it to be egos politics no. or any of that kind of stuff and you're right i mean we we can do so much more like this city has it has so much potential look at all the great things that have come from this city and the residents and some of the achievements we've had from this city all all i really want to do hell is i just want to i want to do whatever i can to unleash the potential that this city has. That's really my objective. It doesn't well, matter I think who gets that's what we for. all
0: want, Kevin. We all want that, right? As Winnipeggers, whatever the political stripe, whether they're a Kevin Klein supporter or a Brian Bowman supporter, it doesn't matter. We want our city to be better, more inclusive, and, and communicate better at the highest level and as Winnipeggers over a fence. Right. We want to
4: be the best Winnipeg we can be,
0: period. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. listen, I appreciate your help today, Kevin. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks for having me on, and again, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Kevin Klein, Counselor for tuxedo charleswood and westwood hal anderson afternoons the podcast is available on apple podcast google podcast and anywhere you find
3: your favorite podcasts